0: Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show. It's me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of The Irish and Sunday Independent. And Apple launched a whole load of stuff during the week. We're going to talk about a little bit of Facebook as well and a bit about broadband. And I'm joined on the line by Dara O'Brien, Chief Executive Castlebridge. Dara, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Adrian. Gl- gl- glad to be here again. Uh, it's kind of becoming my semi-regular uh, monthly slot. You're not really
0: here. This, you're in Kerry, I think.
1: I am in Kerry. I'm, I'm in, in Trilly. I was at the Cancelon conference in uh, Trilly IT uh, fantastic data and ac- academic industry crossover conferencing is one that we should watch, watch for uh, going forward. It's got lots of interesting stuff at so it. So was, it was a good two days down here at that conference. Was
0: it as interesting as Apple's launch during the week?
1: Um, no, Apple's launch, um, to, to borrow Steve Jobs' favorite, favorite saying, this changes everything. Okay. Um, and, and it's it is very much the iTunes moment for every other part of your life.
0: So Apple... Um, during the week, launched a few things. It launched, it, sorry, it announced Apple TV Plus. It announced a new credit card. It announced News Plus, which is a new news service, essentially for the iPad and the iPhone, as far as I can see. And it announced a gaming service. What about that? What were you interested in from that launch event?
1: The we start from the helicopter view. It's the it's the ecosystem. That they're launching, they're not going after bits and pieces mm. of other people's business. They're looking at all of the areas where there are their competitors in their market, mm-hmm. and they're going after all of them at the same time. And they're going after all the different components of service delivery, service payment, um, content development they're taking the big bag of money they have that they've been planning into research and development around various things like on device encryption and mm-hmm. privacy enhancing technologies in their shiny devices and again the last few times I've been on talking about apple I've talked about the fact they were primarily a device company mm-hmm. with itunes they became an eco- they became an entertainment ecosystem company because it was you, you you got the iphone you got your iphone so you could have your itunes to get your music yep. long before we had spotify deezer or things like that mm-hmm. Um, now they're doing the same sort of pivot again to expand their footprint into mm-hmm. if you want to have games, well, you use Apple Games. If you want to pay for your games, well, you can use Apple Pay or you can use the Apple credit card. And the Apple credit card has an interesting aspect to it, which is they're going to, the, the transaction information is going to be held on your device.
0: Yeah, that was an the interesting element to Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, It
1: mm-hmm. is effectively an anonymous payment token, which is, on one hand, fantastic from a privacy perspective and a security mm-hmm. perspective, but I think we're going to see some complications down the road in relation to how those cards are used and Apple's intermittent butting of heads with uh, law enforcement and uh, law enforcement investigatory procedures where currently uh, law enforcement, going they can get Mm. If, if they have an appropriate authorization or court order, they can get copies of payment information or transaction information from, from financial providers. If the Apple data is sitting on an Apple phone or an mm. a, or, or a Mac, it's going to be harder because you have to get the physical device and then get access to the device. So, mm.
0: well, uh, we've I think we've talked about that before. I, I, most of the time that I've written about this, I've written about it really from the perspective of privacy and security, Mm. privacy more so than security. But there is an equally valid viewpoint um, on the other side. I want to talk a little bit about uh, TV because... On one level, I think a lot of us were wondering, why is Apple really doing it? I know there's a revenue stream uh, that it can it's chasing, and it has flagged it for a while, but Apple is always the company that makes shiny devices, computers and phones and tablets, things that you might want to use, and that's where it, its expertise was. Now it's going into an area of TV production, which for those who didn't follow this announcement, by the way, it, its TV Plus announcement was really about... Uh, subscription content, movies and television programs that it is going to make. And it had a load of celebrities on stage at Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston and Oprah Winfrey, rumored to have been paid around $100 million by Apple to, to produce a series of a Jason Momoa. And this content is going to sit in Apple's TV app, which, by the way, in Ireland, we don't have. You only ha- you only get that on an iPhone if you buy it in the US or uh, UK, Germany, France, uh, Canada, Australia, and a couple of other countries. But it'll sit in that app and it'll sit alongside other uh, TV content like maybe the BBC or or Amazon Prime. But in what I wanted to ask you was, like, what is it about Apple that actually is any different in making a TV show? Like, why would I watch Apple... Uh, TV Plus produced content, a show with Reese Witherspoon's in it, compared to one by Netflix or Amazon Prime?
1: Um, that, that's a really interesting question. I think we need to step back and look at what Apple are doing in terms of an ecosystem play. What Apple mm. have done historically is vertical integration. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, a closed ecosystem for their platforms.
0: Yeah, and exactly. what they're doing
1: now is they're they're extending the reach of their ecosystem into the content creation. Mm. So if you and we're seeing this happening with streaming channels, we see um, Disney pulling all of their Marvel streaming content and putting it into the Disney streaming service.
0: Which, by the Uh, way, I, I think people I know people have been hearing that. I think people are going to get a shock in a year or two when they open their Netflix and find that there's no Avengers, there's no Iron Man, there's none of that stuff is there.
1: Yeah, but I think as long as there's no Iron Fist, we can live with that.
0: Um, but you Take it you're not a fan.
1: Iron, Iron Fist could have been a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a Marvel fan. I, I, I do like my comics and my, my graphic novels, but uh, Iron Fist could have been I, a by lot By the way, better.
0: just on that, I think quite a few of the TV series, the Marvel TV series, left a bit to be desired. I was a fan of Jessica Jones. I watched both mm. series. Um I Luke Cage was the biggest disappointment for me. Started off with a fantastic premise, really good actors in it. The story was terrible, in my opinion. Um,
1: uh, and this is where we to bring it back to what we're talking yeah. about. What what's, what is Apple going to do? Yep. Oh, Apple can have quality control over what's going on in their network, but
0: will what, they? What, what, what? Will when you say quality, do you mean creative quality control to make sure a show's not crap? Potentially. Um, oh God, but, that's, but, well that's but, a big. I mean that that is a, that is a that's a huge departure but, from. But, 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 but more
1: importantly, from Apple's point of view, um, one of the things that they need to do as a manufacturer of shiny devices yeah. is they need to drive the upgrade curve, encouraging people in affluent markets to buy the next iteration of the thing.
0: Now, uh, when you say the thing, do you mean the, the, the TV service or do you mean the device on the device? Which, the device. The device so you on, think the this is partially a, a hardware ecosystem play?
1: I think it's partially a hardware ecosystem play because the best way for you to drive the early adopter affluent upgrade curve, mm. and if you think back to when the iPhone was launched, when the iPhone was launched without iTunes, yeah. it was no better than a Pam Trio. Mm-hmm. And when they launched iTunes, it created the ability to put data onto the, onto the iPhone a lot easier. It gave people access to their music. Mm. It, 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 it created the, the, the app ecosystem, which didn't exist
0: yeah, that's right, 12 yeah. years
1: ago. Mm. So what, what, what happened then is the demand for processing power on the, on the device started to go up. So if Apple want to yeah. showcase the best possible use of their devices, the, the best potential for the devices, particularly in those early adopter mm. affluent markets, driving content that only really looks good on an iPhone X. Mm.
0: Mm. Um,
1: so it drives people like me who who, who are still using the, the the smartphone equivalent of the, of the Nokia 6310, which, which is the iPhone 6S. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, that, I, I, like, I, I get that point, And to be fair to Apple, they have said that the content that will... Uh, beyond TV Plus and within the Apple TV app on your iPhone or on your iPad will all be in the the very latest resolution and HDR and it will look fantastic. What I'm just wondering is that given that I can have a Netflix app on my iPhone already, what is it about Apple making the program that's going to persuade me to buy an iPhone more than I would now when I can just buy an iPhone and get all that 4K Netflix anyway on it?
1: That's that's part of the challenge. But what Apple will be getting by having the content and, and being in the content creation business as part of the clo- a, a closed or vertically integrated ecosystem mm. will be the data. At the moment, Apple don't know what's being watched on Netflix. They know that people are using Netflix. Yeah. But they don't know what they're they don't know what they're doing unless they go. Only Netflix, Netflix really knows that. Only net, only Netflix really know that and, and even at that, um, According to if Netflix was to drill down and look at my mother's Netflix account, mm. they'll see lots of cartoons and and preteen uh, rom-com car, uh, soap opera. Oh, type because things. because you're on the
0: same family count, is it?
1: Uh, same family count. Also, my, it's my daughter. She yeah, uh, uses it most. She, she, she'll be use, she uses it most when she's visiting. Um, but the, the the key thing from Apple's perspective is even though they're they're doing all of their data gathering, all a lot of their analytics is being done on device mm. and they're applying a privacy uh, by design uh, and differential privacy layer to the analytics data that's being brought to them, mm. that will still give them a much richer view of what their customers are actually doing than they currently get in that ecosystem. And that that insight into why affluent, and let's face it, an iPhone is not a device for the the, the the, the, the poor people in, in society. The, an iPhone X is an expensive toy to buy. So Apple knowing about those that market, that gives them an incredible insight, not into the individuals, but into the segment and into the, the purchasing patterns of that segment, which currently, anyone trying to get that data has to go to multiple different sources to get that and try and aggregate it together. Apple will have a privacy-enhanced Privacy, relatively privacy-respectful view of what device you have, mm. where you are when you're using it, what type of content you prefer to watch, where, what devices are near you when you're watching, um, and also if you're paying for content using the Apple Card, they they will know that what they will have a view of those types of transactions, and they'll be able to see what are you doing offline if you're using that
0: card that yeah, to pay. I, 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 I think that I think Apple have always tried to position themselves as being the company that isn't creepy when it comes to that kind of stuff, and and you know it, it is not the the outfit that wants to know everything you, you do in your life. But even if they get all of that, all of those insights, I am still left wondering what it is they hope to to upsell there and this goes back to the first question as to why they're doing this my because a lot of people are wondering why are they going into movies other than the revenue stream and other than the fact that they've got so many billions that they can spend a commission on this stuff because 2 billion is apparently what they're spending on making these shows mm. none of which will be available before the before the autumn by the way and um, my own theory is that because i think tim cook himself is kind of passionate about uh, the arts and acting and movies. At one point during the presentation, he started to choke up, to tear up on stage. I think it was just after he had had his little tete-a-tete with Oprah Winfrey on stage. And I think that the he has earned a right to pivot the company somewhat into... Yeah. In, into because. All the other products that have been introduced on his watch, two in particular, the Apple Watch and the AirPods, both of those are actually massive hits. People might laugh at the AirPods, but it's actually the defining um, digital product of the last eighteen months. It, it, yeah. it is—you see them everywhere now. Competitors are starting to copy them. So people might say, "Well, look, maybe it will work, maybe it won't." But for the two billion that we're spending commissioning this, you know, that's that's a small fraction of what he's helped. To make Apple over the last few years,
1: exactly. So this 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 is an element of, of, of pivoting the, the the legacy as well. Because Tim Cook, while he's been in the job for a while, mm. uh, he's still standing in the shadow of Steve Jobs in in many respects. While Apple continues to be a pure tech a pure technology device company, mm. uh, all the innovation, all the style, it's building on a foundation that was established by. Jobs and Ives with mm-hmm. the design of the, of, the, of the iPhone and Steve Jobs uh, focus on the, the elegant design we saw, even with the original iMac back in the 90s. Mm. Um, with Tim Cook, what we're seeing here is, is a business strategy shift to broaden the focus of Apple, which broadens the data footprint they can gather. And because of the investment they've made in the device infrastructure and ecosystem around privacy, it gives them an option and the opportunity to take a lead in mm. the analytics and de- and data value and data monetization space, yeah. which other organizations, other competitors, the Facebooks of the world, Googles of the world, they're actually looking at the potent- significant potential jeopardy to their fundamental business models because of the global shift in emphasis around privacy and concerns around the impact of those algorithmic-driven advertising models on um, a variety of, of of sectors of society. So this is an interesting opportunity for Apple to lay some foundations for two billion. It, it it's an, it's not a small amount of money, but it is in, in Apple's context. It's it's a it, it's an affordable investment mm. for them yeah. to try and and move into a new into a new space and redefine the market in the same way they redefine the market for for mobile phones.
0: Yeah, I a, a, a I, I do I do ago. I do wonder whether they. Can have the same impact in redefining the TV industry market as as they did with phones, because it's not clear to me that with the likes, particularly of Disney and 20th Century Fox, Universe, all these companies, that Real and HBO, it's not clear to me that Apple has any real advantage going into the content production. But one thing I am interested in uh, is what does TV actually look like in a few years? I, already, and I've had arguments with the TAMS rating agency here in Ireland over this, that's the body that measures advertising effectiveness and and tells us how long we're watching TV every day. My thesis for the last couple of years is that that has been shrinking, that linear television viewing in Ireland has been shrinking significantly because of the onset of streaming and mainly large phones. And Netflix, they say, no, it's not. Uh, That the, the people watch RT on a TV set in the sitting room the same amount of time as they always did? I don't believe that.
1: I, 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 I personally cannot remember the last time I watched a TV programme at the time it was being broadcast in mm. the schedule, uh, with the exception of the news.
0: Yeah, I, I think those are the two ex- the two exceptions that I always come back to, news, current affairs, and sport. So, look, if, if you're a football fan... And the you know your team is playing you want to watch it live, so you're probably going to watch it either on a TV set or live on some other device, but does Or what we regard as conventional TV does that start to look like just sport current affairs and talent shows and that all of the scripted drama and comedies and movies is basically all you know Netflix Apple TV plus uh, amazon uh, prime uh, uh,
1: uh, this is the bread and circuses uh, Ethical view, ethical issue we need to look at in terms of access to arts content mm. and, and 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 entertainment content or edutainment content going forward. Um, as we get into the traditional broadcast linear TV, um, I think that's going to become the easy to measure mass market stuff. It's it's the I think we're we're seeing the brain candy effect where it's all talent shows mm. um, and. Dancing with Can't Cook Won't Cook on Ice uh, is inevitably. Oh, I haven't seen the, that one. Yeah, I think I think that 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 uh, I, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of that de- Can't Cook Won't Cook uh, is the, basically the. Uh,
0: oh, that sounds the, the, good. I'm a, when is that on?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thursday. Uh, it's on Thursday on uh, a, a TV show. I must I set
0: my DVD recorder to record it.
1: Exactly, but the pro- the problem there, from a, again, this is something we touch on. Uh, the, this is the the monthly Dara plugs the book segment. Yeah. Uh, we, we actually write about this in in, 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 their, in the book on Ethical Information Management that Catherine and I uh, brought out last year uh, about the, the equality of access things. we were talking about in terms of the equality of access to analytics technologies and that all these things that are being developed to run on reasonably new, modern laptops don't, tend not to work very well when you're in a third-world country and you've got a 15-year-old machine. Mm. Um, a similar question arises in terms of if the way in which we're interacting with arts and with education and entertainment is through is increasingly through uh solo viewing experiences on a device and again i do i i, I travel a lot so i i do a lot of my t- my what my, my program watching late at night in in hotel rooms um because there's nothing else to do um
0: well you're tweeting a bit of the time as well or
1: or, or or i'm tweeting I, I have two devices so i'm watching on one tweeting on the other um but the key question is, if, if, the, if the readily accessible and, and open market um, universal service obligation content is just brain candy, mm. and if you want to watch something clever and interesting on, I don't know, the, the influence of Rory Gallagher on the development of the punk movement in the, in the UK, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal influence uh, in terms of, uh, of, of how he influenced punk. Um, where's that going to be? That, that's currently BBC4 mm. territory. Um, but where's that going to be in two or three years' time? And also, how will p- people get access to that? At the moment, my, my, my daughter can stumble across interesting stuff
0: mm.
1: on, um, on, on TV because it's being broadcast. Oh, okay, we, we're getting it through our Sky package or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she can click on it. She can find something. She might suddenly become interested in something.
0: Mm.
1: Two or three years' time... How will a young person who doesn't necessarily have access to a device stumble across that serendipitous piece of learning that gives them an interest in something?
0: So I think there's two things there, I, uh, I, I think, that occur to me. One is you're getting at what is the basis on which, say, in Ireland, the RTE is funded. So why why is, why is do we pay €160 euro a year for a TV license? And part of that is for that educational, uh, and news and current affairs, which, by the way, RTE does news and current affairs very, very well. I'm not not one of the RTE bashers um, out there. They do very, very well. Um, I I was disappointed they gave up on kids' programming um, to to a large extent, but uh, that's another uh, topic. Uh, So why is it funded, and do they have an obligation to produce that sort of stuff? I think they probably do. I'd say RTE would say that... Their modern format for your daughter in a couple of years' time would be, say, a better, uh, more comprehensive player, maybe RT player, yep. so that it's whatever content they make <sighs> is, is mean, up there. You mean
1: when, you mean one that works?
0: Well, look, I've had my issues with the RT player. I, I do find sometimes it it's not always uh, it's not always flawless, particularly yep. during high volume events. I would mostly watch it. Uh, during a sporting event to try and get a, a game. I'm grateful it's there, but it does go down quite a lot. But yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm I, guessing I, I, that's I, the that would be the answer. Is,
1: this is the key challenge. Uh, this is the key question, going back to the equality of access to, mm. to, to, to education or entertainment. Um, we live in essentially a, a, a two-tier country in, in Ireland as regards to access to uh, broadband. And we were discussing yesterday yeah. at the Cantillon the Conference they're all out of 5G. Mm. And Comreg have already come out and said it's not going to be mandatory to roll out 5G.
0: Basically, yes, they have. Basically. Um, now, now they, to, to 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 clarify, they what they've said is they haven't exactly finalised the terms of coverage license, uh, requirements, but they have indicated through reports they've published, through the reports they've commissioned, and in remarks, direct interviews that I've conducted with uh, the chairman of the uh, three-man commission in, in, uh, in the three-person commission in Comreg, that they don't really believe in a uh, universal service f- uh, obligation for 5G. Um, and that has, that like, if you're living down in a rural area and you, can't, you already can't get broadband, you're not sure whether the government's going to proceed with the National Broadband Plan, that is a problem. So I do, I do take your point. Like if if a lot of this stuff is dependent on you having a good data uh, signal or data access, so you need the device. So that could be a cheap Android phone. In fairness, it doesn't have to be an expensive iPad. No, it could be. Um, and if you if your household pays the uh, the uh, uh, TV license, or it you get a subsidised TV license under under one of the schemes, you sort it that way. But yes, how do you actually get access to it? you know, if you wanted to get access to the player, if that's the format in which this content is now displayed.
1: That's exactly. And, and, and that, that's, the key, that's one of the key questions that we need to tackle. Keep coming back. An, an ongoing question I always ask people is to do what an information economy or an information society. Mm. Society has broader implications in terms of equality of access and also what happens with the data that we're generating by interacting with these services. Because uh, with all the best will in the world, they are, logging a lot of information about us mm. when we're interacting with them, uh, which, going back to the TAM ratings and Nielsen ratings, that's a couple of people with magic buttons on their TV um, mm-hmm. and that's, re- that's recording a sample. Um, mm. I like think that, that's probably why they're saying there's no real change, because maybe they haven't changed the, the makeup of their sample audience in the last couple of years. So that
0: Well, I, I also think that, while I'm not doubting for a second the... Technical methodologies that TAMS and and Nielsen use, there is also uh, an infrastructural um, leaning toward advertisers there because the the reason that they're advertised, that they're measured effectively, is to Mm. provide uh, accurate uh, information for advertisers so that they know whether or not it's worthwhile to put an ad there on the TV channel or not. And I would argue that there maybe is not an incentive there um, for them not to say that the linear TV market is being decimated, but that's only my own view. I like one phrase you used just there. I think it's a really interesting and important one when you say an information society versus an information economy, because that I, I a lot of the stuff that I've written, it kind of goes to the heart of that. I'm, I would be one of the people who broadly would argue for a rollout of rural broadband. I cover the issue, but I've also written columns in favour of the general idea. However we get there, whether that's through mm. the market, whether it's a subsidy, I don't really care because I do think that people living in areas that don't get broadband are missing out on, on, on an opportunity. Um, I covered the Public Accounts Committee this week. This is the Oireachtas, um body made up of senators and TDs, and they, were, they had the Secretary General from Department of Communications in effectively grilling him, a guy called Mark Griffin, effectively yeah. grilling him on the National Broadband Plan, asking him questions like, is it worth the money? How much will it cost? What's the difference between this, which is mostly a fibre solution and a wireless or a 5G one? Like, why wouldn't you consider wireless or 5G? And lots of other questions like that. And it does strike me, to go back to your phrase, information society, there are quite a few people who basically don't Believe or who don't accept that having broadband in your neighbourhood or your your area or in your house is really that important.
1: From my perspective, I, I live in County Wexford. Right.
0: Um, being very
1: blunt about it, our broadband goes down. We do not have access to uh, pre-recorded to, to to catch up on TV. So my my TV watching schedule, which is always, what, what did I what did I miss? because uh, I watch it on playback is that way I get to skip the ads mm. um, that, that's not available to me, but yeah. also more importantly, i can't work mm. i am in I work in the information business if I cannot connect to the world mm. i can't work it's as simple as that so the idea that broadband is not an essential thing in rural areas mm. is only true if you're willing to accept that the only way people in rural areas do work is with the economy and skills that we had 20 or 30 years ago. Even farming has changed dramatically. Again, the Council Conference we were looking at, we had some case study presentations on the use of data analytics and visualization in agriculture for real-time alerts to improve the efficiency of milk yields, but also to reduce methane production Mm. in agriculture by measuring in real-time and identifying better feed mixes and things like that. Fantastic stuff, But to have that thing happen means you have to have the infrastructure. If you want to stop people like me driving for two hours to go to Dublin mm-hmm. and spewing carbon into the into the environment, the way you do that is giving a reliable connection. Yeah, that works. That doesn't go down intermittently that gives decent speed so I can do video conferencing while uploading data and accessing servers, uh, to, to run processes remotely.
0: Mm. Yeah. I've,
1: I've, I've been working with I'm working remotely from Wexford to, to, to organizations in Dublin for over 20 years. Uh, I've done it over PSTN. I've done it over ISDN. Broadband is essential to do that sort of thing effectively.
0: On the broadband thing. One of the, the main issues at the moment is whether it's worth it because it it does crystallise down into financial uh, obligations, which is completely fair enough, uh, by Mm. the way. But one of the fault lines in this debate, we're seeing it right now and the next few weeks are very critical in in deciding whether or not the national broadband plan goes ahead or not, is whether it's worth essentially urban taxpayers' money to fund broadband to rural areas, and if so, how much? Now, the the money... uh, yeah, go on. yeah,
1: And that, that's, that's a key question that, that that ultimately comes down to. That's what a tax system is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It is supposed to create a redistribution of the wealth of a society to invest in the society to pay for the distribution mm-hmm. of services so you don't have a two-tier infrastructure and you don't have an us-and-them situation in a progressive tax system. Yep. That's the way it's supposed to work. Um, so this question of whether it's worth having urban taxpayers paying for services in rural Ireland. If you have a phone line at the moment and you're paying the line rental, part of that line rental fee that you pay goes to the maintenance of phone lines in Carras, I mean, Yep. if you're living in Dublin 4. If you have electricity service, your public service obligation levy on your, on your electricity bill mm-hmm. is going to that same thing as well, maintaining the network. So why we're having this discussion about should r- urban taxpayers fund rural development, that's the way it works. If you look at the European Union, that is the way European structural funds work. The money that's paid in by member states into the structural fund gets redistributed, and that's how we get to have roads.
0: Yeah, and and that's also the basis for uh, air zone universal service obligation. The Air is a regulated company. There are actually rules that Air has to abide by in terms of how much um, one part of the network subsidizes another part of the network. Comreg, the telecoms regulator, has rules around that. And it's for all of those uh, reasons. The figure that I'm hearing from most sources is somewhere between one and a half and two billion. And... What I find kind of unusual there are kind of commentators like Colin McCarthy, economic commentators who kind of kind of have a very very harsh view of such bills and say, "Look, um it should be sort of fifteenth on our list. if we can afford it sometime in the future, then fine, but you know we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, pay that now. if people really want it, they can just stick their phone in the window and try and get a four g signal." I, I just disagree very fundamentally with that approach. I don't think, I think it very, very undervalues the, 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 the absolute criticality of what broadband's going to be in Ireland in the next 10 years. It sounds like you do too, from the way you were I, talking I, about
1: I, it. I, I absolutely agree with you, Adrian, because ultimately you look at, at, at foreign direct investment and, and companies coming to Ireland or companies trying to establish, and, establish themselves and grow in Ireland. Uh, Dublin is full is mm-hmm. filling up, Galway's starting to get a little bit full as well. If you want to start developing these industries and these businesses outside of the established urban areas, we need to have fundamental infrastructure in place. Now, when I was in secondary school doing geography, that, that fundamental infrastructure was uh, basically uh, roads, uh, mm-hmm. access to various things, the, the, the key thing, near, is it near the road, is it near a river, that kind of thing. Today it's, can I connect to services that I'm I need to do my job and can I connect to my to my clients yeah and if I can't do those two things then I have to move to a large urban area mm. and if you look at North Wexford um, which is in, in a foreign direct investment target area for tech sector businesses
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a, an hour and a half from Dublin at most yeah if it had better inf- connectivity and infrastructure There will be a much more vibrant tech sector in North Wexford. There's still a very good tech sector, don't get me wrong. Mm. Um, But there would be more there. You you would see Apple and Google not just having staff working remotely from Mm Gory, but having offices in Gory.
0: I mean, even even aside from the the tech sector argument or whether there would or would not be a hub there, the, the, the argument that I often make is, in looking at the kind of services that ordinary homes and ordinary businesses and schools will use. Like last week, for example, we saw Google made an announcement for a new online gaming service called Stadia. Now, it's an online Mm. gaming service. It's hardly critical. But they say... Pretty bluntly, that you won't be able to use it unless you have between fifteen and twenty-five megabits per second, and that's by the way—that's probably twenty-five to fifty megabit per second Wi-Fi signal, which means you need at least forty to fifty coming into the house. Um, which means if you're not living in Dublin, forget about it. Which yeah, which means if you're not living in in, in a decent area. Now it's gaming. Now, like people will rightly say, "Well, boohoo, you can't get a gaming." System. That's totally fair enough. Accept that criticism. But a lot of the indications from companies like Apple, for example, um, are that many of their future bandwidth intensive products will be health related. So in 10 years time, it is expected that an awful lot more sensors will be used for assisted living for people who are uh, otherwise physically isolated in possibly in, in rural areas and that there'll be an awful lot more practical aids to help them and to alert, um, you know, uh, support services that, that they're working with. And a lot of that might be bandwidth intensive. And, you know, it, it, I think that it, it's just going to be an ordinary part of the way we live. So I don't uh, think uh, it's just uh, about Netflix and gaming.
1: No, it's not. And again, if you look at the history of, of the evolution of the tech sector, um, a lot of the innovations have come out of areas you wouldn't necessarily expect. Uh, video compression algorithms originated mm-hmm. in the pornography industry, right? Because if it was taking thirty seconds or, four, or thirty seconds to a minute for the still image to download, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> and, uh, you, and then thirty or forty seconds. <laughs> um, no comment. And, and the chat, the, the use of, of of instant messaging and chat has yeah. emerged out of the gaming industry. Because the people who are coming into businesses now as employees mm. have grown up as as teenagers in uh, multiplayer
0: online games. We used to get. I used to get legal letters from AOL America Online. The physical letters. And this was years ago. Because whenever I referred to instant messaging in an article, they would, they would, their clipping service would would detect it, and they'd say that mm. they had a trademark on the term um, that, yep. did, that that course of legal action didn't last very long no, um,
1: but but, that, but that's the key thing all of these evolutions these are these might be things that are education today but you're right mm. the uh, deployment of sensor based technologies while each of those technologies might have a reasonably small and narrow uh, network requirement when you have lots of them at scale um, they are they will be driving the yep. uh, the the demand in, in in the network and again it's like it's like the water situation and water pipeline mean, we massive water loss mm. in the Irish water network because we didn't invest in the infrastructure
0: yeah yeah um, and
1: ironically now one of the things we need to put sensors in to measure is the water loss and for that we need to have good comms and connectivity infrastructure
0: yep There were loads of other things I wanted to talk about today, Dar, but we haven't got time because, of (laughs) course, we got uh, bogged down URL data privacy uh, stuff. Um, Thank you very much for coming on the podcast, as always. And and from us, from me, rather, from Adrian Weckler, Tech Editor of the Irish Sunday Independent, that's all we have time for. So thanks again for downloading this episode or for streaming or tuning in. Do let, let us know what you think. I'm available on Twitter, at Adrian Weckler, all one word. But until next week, bye-bye.